starting today, BC Cancer will be offering eligible patients the chance to receive radiation treatments uh, in Bellingham. Now, up to 50 patients per week could benefit from this program, uh, which would uh, take place either at the North Cascade Cancer Centre or at the Peace Health St. Joseph Medical Centre in Bellingham. Now, the Ministry of Health says that most of these patients will receive five fractions of radiation therapy, which would cost about $3,800 here at home, compared with 12200 at the private cancer centres uh, in Bellingham. Now, this doesn't include other expenses, such as travel and accommodations and meals uh, for caregivers. Now, the ministry says it's earmarked $39 million per year for the initiative, which uh, includes $5 million annually in contingencies as well. Now, while the decision by the province to send breast cancer and prostate cancer patients to the U.S. for faster radiation treatment is uh, being welcomed by some. Critics say it's an indictment of a flagging healthcare system that has not kept up with demand. It's estimated, get this, that half of BC residents will face a cancer diagnosis uh, in their lifetime. Joining me now to talk about this issue is a very well-known broadcaster and a cancer survivor as well, Tamara Taggart. Tamara, thank you for joining us. It's good to be here. Yeah, good to see you. And I, you know, I'm, I don't want to talk to politicians and I don't want to talk to experts. I do enough of that on the show. <laughs> but I want to talk to somebody who is very passionate about healthcare. Uh, and I know you are, and certainly about uh, these cancer centers. Uh, first of all, your thoughts that today we can actually, mm. Canadians will be going down to Bellingham for treatment. Listen, I think that it's great that they can get the radiation they need now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That's not what we're talking about. I think it's a failure that we cannot take care of uh, British Columbians and their health care here at home, where Mm -hmm. they should be receiving their cancer care, not in a different country. And it is a different country. And you can say, oh, it's only Bellingham. It's so close for people who live in White Rock. Mm -hmm. Well, Who's saying all the cancer patients are in White Rock? They could Mm -hmm. be anywhere. I don't know how, I don't believe there's been transparency in deciding who and, you know, who will go and how they'll go and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's a failure. I think it's a failure that we are sending British Columbians out of the country for cancer treatment. Uh, There's no doubt the government is feeling some of that heat. As you know, they announced uh, new cancer centres for Nanaimo and Kamloops. uh, And they say they have a 10-year plan, $440 million cancer plan, which they unveiled in February. Mm. Uh, You convinced that things will get better anytime soon? No, uh, definitely not. I, you know, cancer is not, it's not a new thing that came up. We've known about cancer for a long, long time. And we also know that if you live long enough, you'll probably get cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not a secret. We know, I think there's people in government, probably bureaucrats that study these things about, you know, how many people move here and how many people will. So I would think that if they've been doing their jobs, they would have an outlook as to what cancer care will look like in three years, five years, 10 years. And I would expect that somewhere down the line, mm-hmm. governments have done that. I don't know. And if they haven't, boy, oh boy, we got some big problems here. You know, years ago, uh, I was uh, waiting to take a helijet over to Victoria and I ran into a healthcare minister and I said, well, what's the system cost? And at, at that time, it was about $2 million an hour. Mm. And I said, how do you fix this? Because uh, in that time, BC liberals were in. And the, the the health minister then said to me, you know, it's actually got to get worse before it gets better. I go, what mm. do you mean by that? He goes, until the federal government allows at least uh, innovation for the healthcare system, where they they can experiment a little bit at the provincial level, because that's where healthcare is, this system will get worse before it gets better. Mm. And it's appalling that this is a private conversation with an yeah. elected official. And it, it was just shocking to me. Um, f- for you, when you, when you listen 
to Adrian Dix, and I think his, his, his heart's in the right place. This is beyond politics at the end of the day. I mean, it, what, it, we were having these conversations with BC Liberals as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, listen, his heart's in the right place. Well, yeah, okay, sure. He's a human being. You know, we're all human beings. Adrian Dix is not going to go to Bellingham for radiation, I don't think. And I, I can't imagine that anybody in a place of privilege, right, mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. be driving to Bellingham. I mean, and that's what it all comes down to. I don't. I am sick and tired, and I think that there will be people listening that feel the same way, of us changing governments, going back and forth between the BC Liberals and the NDP, and hearing this and that about healthcare and this, and then blaming everybody. Like, what's the time limit on blaming the past government? Is it five years, six years, seven years, They're ten years? They're past the best before today. I mean, I mean come he, on. Adrian was saying that, and Mr. Dix was saying that in, the, in my last interview with him. And look, every government does it. The Liberals did it That's as well. But we're all tired of it. We're talking yeah. about health care. Mm-hmm. And I learned from your show, I think, that you said it was, isn't it 42 cents on every do- a tax dollar goes to health care? Everything, yeah. I'm sick and tired of it. And so is everybody else. I want to know, and so does every other British Columbian, that if I get sick... I can go to the hospital and get the care I need. I want to know that my emergency room doctors are not writing letters to government saying, we got problems. How many, it's over a hundred doctors now have written a letter. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know that if I go to the emergency with my son, that he'll be seen. Um, so we're tired of it. We don't care. There's no politics in it. I'm sick and tired of the Minister of Health telling us that everything's okay, because it's not. Mm-hmm. Maybe everything's okay in his world. Maybe he has a family doctor. Maybe, I don't know, but I can tell you it is not okay right now. It is not okay if you go in a hospital. It is not okay if you don't have a family doctor. It is not okay if you have cancer right now in British Columbia. It's never okay if you have cancer, but add on like can't see an oncologist on time, can't get the care you need and have to go to a different country. It's an abysmal mess. And I think the most damaging thing about it is when we have a government that won't admit that it is a mess right now. Mm-hmm. I just want someone in government to say, you know what? Having cancer and having to go to Bellingham is horrible. And we're really sorry that this has to happen. It's terrible. I remember uh, it's been a few months now. You, were, you, you tweeted something out about, I think you had some experience in emergency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it may have been uh, one of your children. Mm-hmm. And you were just appalled by what you saw. Mm-hmm. And uh, my frustration is I think we all want to fix this and we're just unable to. And that's what I don't understand. But don't we have enough doctors? Don't we have enough healthcare workers that are saying, listen, this is how we fix it. Because I know a lot of doctors and I'm sure you do too. Mm -hmm. Um, They all have ways of like all these emergency room doctors are like, this is what we need. And we have emergency room doctors saying we need, you know, whatever they are, like hospital assistants. I, I don't know what the proper word is, yes. right? I think yeah. they're called that. Yeah. Why, why can't we just listen to the experts? Because I'll tell you what, Adrian Dix is not an expert. He's a politician. All of the people in government, they are not experts. So the expert is the oncologist. The expert is the ER doctor for, or, or nurse or, you know, talk to them about what will work. We are so, we are so top heavy. Look at the PHSA. How many vice president, how many people do we need at the PHSA making $300,000 plus? Because I think the list is like in the dozens. So you think we don't need any more money? Like every year, like I don't care what government is, NDP, BC Liberal, whatever it is. 
every year we put more money into healthcare. Nobody ever mm-hmm. cuts healthcare. And it's always like the system is set up so that we run at 95% capacity pre-COVID. So mm-hmm. we're always at that level and we're always putting a little bit of money, money every time. We never have enough capacity. Mm-hmm. Add COVID to the issue and the whole system blows up. And that's what's happening. Right. And when you say capacity, do you you don't mean physical buildings, right? I mean physical building. I mean HR, the amount of people that we have. But most of these hospitals, they're not even being used to capacity. For example, Some Children's Hospital, the brand new building that was built in 20, I don't know, 18, it's mm-hmm. not at capacity. There are many, many, many empty rooms in there, and they've never been used. It's well, part of the challenge is just hiring enough people, so it's a cost there for cost driver for government. We've built a lot of hospitals. And I'm not talking about Vancouver here, mm-hmm, but you mm-hmm. go to smaller town, British Columbia, where I'm from. A lot of these hospitals were built in the '60s and '70s yeah. and '80s. So now these capital costs that are coming mm-hmm. up, economy grows at two or three percent a year. There's only so many dollars you have, so it's about picking your priorities. Richmond is a classic example. They totally. announced it and a business plan, and by the time they get a, the, a hospital, it's going to be many years still before they get one. They'll get one, Yeah, but that's the challenge that we have before right. us. Like, would you be willing to pay more or do you think we pay enough right now? Well, I listen, if if you were diagnosed with cancer or if you, were, if you have a serious health issue, you will go anywhere and pay anything mm-hmm. to get better. No doubt about it. You will do anything to get better. And so I think that, you know, with the announcement of Nanaimo and Kamloops, we already knew that was happening. They, they made these announcements about the approval. I mean... Hello, PR 101, like we know what you're doing. It's like you're trying to distract us from the Bellingham thing. So buildings don't cure people, right? Buildings don't take care of people. People take care of people. So what is the long-term plan, the short-term plan for filling those spaces of the help that we need? I want to know that. And also, every hospital has a foundation, that raises hundreds of millions of dollars. And we donate this money, everyday people, everyday Mm -hmm. British Columbians donate so much money to cancer care, hospital foundations, lottery tickets, you name it, right? Yep. And we expect that the government, the bureaucrats, will take care of our money, use it wisely, and get us the equipment and stuff that we need. And now we're sending patients to Bellingham. It, and now the BC Cancer Agency is trying to raise $500 million for a new building. It's like, that's a hard sell right now. We are speaking to Tamara Taggart, a well-known broadcaster, but also a cancer survivor as well. Tamara, we spent a lot of time talking about the system itself, but you knew, you know it in a different way as someone who had to deal with cancer. Mm-hmm. Walk me through what that's like in regards to the, the system itself, but on a personal level, having to deal with this, with cancer itself as, as, as an individual? Mm. Well, I mean, it was terrible, obviously. And I nearly died because my, the type of cancer I had, which is a rare one, it's called a gastrointestinal stromal tumor mm-hmm. or a GIST for short. And um, it, it just, it, you know, it basically started to leak. It was on a slow leak. And so I was anemic for a long time and I just had a baby. And, you know, when you're anemic and you're a woman, everybody just says, oh, hey, women are always tired and women, you know, this is normal. And I was like, okay, it doesn't feel normal. Turns out it was a tumor that, you know, and I started to bleed out at home and I nearly died. And I was rushed to VGH and I received excellent care. It was an emergency situation. And my chemo, my treatment was a chemo drug that I took orally for three years. And it was hell. It's a terrible, uh, it's a great drug that it, you know, can cure you, Mm -hmm. but it's horrible the way it makes you feel. And so, you know, my cancer experience is very different than somebody going to Bellingham for radiation. 
Um, and everybody's experience is very different. Somebody can have the same type of cancer that I had and, you know, their experience would be very different than mine. And so I think that that's what we also have to remember when we're talking about cancer. It's not this sort of, we've almost become numb to, you know, because we have this awareness day and we have the ribbon for this and a Mm -hmm. ribbon for that and a, a fundraiser and a run and a this. And it's like, oh yeah, we're just raising money for cancer. But it, when you hear those words, it is life altering. And I will say, you know, I'm on the other side of it now. It never goes away from your head. It is always in your head that it's back or you feel something and you're like, oh my gosh, this is it again. Or, you know, it's just always with you. It's always kind of like the shadow that's around. As hard as you try to not have it, it's always there. So when I hear a story, or I hear the news that we're doing this, sending patients, I can, I just can't imagine, you know, being away from your kids or your husband or your parents or whoever it might be and having to go, what's happened, the, the demons in your head when you have cancer mm-hmm. are way more dangerous than uh, a lot of other things, you know? So the frustration, when I hear the, your frustration, I mean, you're speaking with great passion, but the frustration is visceral for you because you, you've gone through it. Yeah, and I've, you know, spent a lot of time You know, I spent a lot of time, years raising money for BC Cancer because that's the other thing. When you have cancer and you come out on the other side and you're so grateful, you want to help in every way you can. And so I immediately was like, I can't write you a big check, but I can volunteer. And so I did. And I, you know, helped raise a lot of money. And that's what people want to do. You want to find a way to give back. And and I think that's why this news and the the dismal state we're in with our health care and always hearing from our present government about how fine things are, you know, like, oh, these ER doctors, don't worry, we're dealing with it. No, I'm scared. Every day I think about my kids, like, what if something happens? I think we have to go to the ER. Any parent does, right? Or if you have elderly parents, we're all worried. Yeah. Tamara, thank you. Thank you. Good to see you again. Good to see you.